0: On orders from Congress, the Veterans' Affairs Department has been doing a detailed study of nearly 100 health care markets nationwide. It aims to realign facilities with where veterans actually are, those results out on Monday. And now the Government Accountability Office has studied VA's studies, and for what the auditors found, the GAO's Director of Healthcare issues, Sharon Silas. Sharon, good to have you back.:
1: Thanks for having me, Tom.
0: And the GAO found some data problems with what VA is basing this entire set of recommendations on. What did you find?
1: So we conducted a review of VA's market assessments. You know, the 2018 Mission Act required VA to do the system-wide review of the delivery of healthcare care to veterans. And so, what the VA was doing was looking at both the demand, current and projected demand for VA healthcare services, and also looking at the supply of healthcare services. So, the capacity to provide care to veterans through the VA healthcare system and also through non VA healthcare services. And so, we took a look at the methodology that VA was using to conduct these assessments. And basically, we had two key findings in our report. As VA was looking at both the demand and the supply of Veterans Healthcare services, they had reviewed over 60 sources of data, primarily based on VA databases. And they compiled data from these databases. We're looking at both the demand and supply of health care within VA, and then also looking at the demand and the provision of health care service through their Veterans Community Care Program, which is where veterans can receive care out in the community. And what we found was that there were some gaps in the data that was compiled. Um, and specifically, we found that VA didn't really fully account for the expanded eligibility requirements for community care. In 2018, the Mission Act also expanded the eligibility requirements, so you have many more veterans taking advantage of going to see a provider in their community. And really, VA only accounted for about four months of the community care program with this newly expanded eligibility. And so we thought that they could have done some things to try to get more updated information or data about how many veterans were accessing community care. Another example of a gap in the data that we identified was that there was really a lack of data to compare costs of care, at least based on the documentation they provided us. You know, when VA built a number of their facilities, their VA healthcare systems were really focused on inpatient care and kind of having enough beds in facilities. And really VA has pivoted from focusing on inpatient care to outpatient care, like many healthcare systems. So when we looked at the methodology they were using, we found that there was a lack of data to compare the cost of care. And specifically, we didn't see any information on the cost of data for outpatient care, which seems really important if that's kind of what you're pivoting to.
0: One of the other gaps that you found is that VA didn't accurately assess whether in a given area, the community care providers had the personnel capacity to deal with what might be the demand from VA?
1: That's correct. One of the other concerns we had was incomplete data on the network adequacy for the community care program. GAO has conducted a number of reviews on the community care program, and there have been concerns raised about whether or not there are enough providers, especially around specialty care, to meet veterans' needs, and especially in rural communities.
0: We're speaking with Sharon Silas. She's director of health care issues at the Government Accountability Office and between the congressional mandate in 2018. And now we've, of course, had a pandemic which distorted everything connected with health care in the United States. Do you think VA was affected by that? Does their tallies and databases take that into account? And could that have had some effect on their recommendations that came out Monday?
1: Of course, with the pandemic, there was a shift in how veterans are receiving their care. For example, there was an increase in veterans receiving care via telehealth. And so we did learn from VA that they did take a look and included in their analysis the VA's emergency response to COVID-19 pandemic and took those things into consideration. But as you know, the pandemic is, I guess, still ongoing or just ending <laughs> right now. So there's still, I think, a lot of data and information that is more recent that can help inform some of the recommendations that they're making to the commission.
0: And that really gets to the big question, given the data gaps that you found and the fact that the pandemic has bent things to a way they may not have fully accounted for. Are they reliable, do you think? These recommendations that the VA came out with. This is their deadline to get this out for Congress. But should they take another six months to rerun their analyses with the data gaps filled?
1: One of the other things the Mission Act did was that it requires that there be a presidentially appointed commission that will review the recommendations that VA is making regarding the realignment and modernization. And so that commission, the members were recently nominated last week. They will spend the next year reviewing the recommendations that VA has made, holding hearings and having discussions and kind of getting behind those recommendations to get a better understanding of how VA arrived at them. And, you know, we have another recommendation in our report because we had concerns about communicating any limitations around the assessment. And so we've made a recommendation that VA ensure that as they're presenting these recommendations to the commission that they also present any information around data reliability or data quality issues so that the commission has that information so they have a good understanding of how VA has arrived at these recommendations and any limitations around those.
0: This would be the Asset and Infrastructure Review Commission, the Air Commission, so to speak. That's correct. So then that could set up the issue of the Air Commission looking at these recommendations, but the recommendations and the data underlying them could change over that year's time that they have to review it.
1: Yeah, and the assessment process and kind of the next year, well, as the commission is reviewing the recommendation, all been set up to do that, right, to ensure that the recommendations that VA is forwarding, that there is scrutiny over them. And hopefully, once you get behind where the recommendations and some of the data underlying it, it will build in some transparency and hopefully build in support for those recommendations.
0: Right, because some of the recommendations could be drastic. A hospital could be closed or a new one built somewhere else and of course you've got the unions worried about whether this is all just a gambit to privatize VA which I don't think it is but what I'm driving at is they have to have everyone have the perception that this was done objectively and with the proper and full data
1: exactly and that's why you know the two recommendations that we have in the report is to help to ensure that VA has the most complete information possible because of course there's no perfect data right but have the most complete information possible, especially around the supply of healthcare care and what's available in these communities. And then also making sure that they're communicating the limitations of the underlying data to help ensure that there's transparency and then build confidence in how, you know, again, how VA arrived at these recommendations.
0: And does VA generally agree with what the GAO is recommending?
1: They did. They concurred with both of our recommendations and in their comments on our report, they kind of laid out their steps to make sure that they address those recommendations over the next year.
0: Yeah, this is almost like the VA's equivalent of BRAC. And no matter what they recommend, then somebody's going to be unhappy.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Life in the USA in the 21st century. Sharon Silas is director of healthcare issues at the Government Accountability Office. As always, thanks so much.
1: Thanks so much, Tom.
0: We'll post this interview along with a link to her report at federalnewsnetwork dot slash federal drive. Hear the Federal Drive on Demand. Subscribe at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows.
2: Hello and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host Shane Canfield, CEO of Wepa, and today I'm thrilled to be joined by Melissa Bradley, the founder and managing partner at Eighteen Sixty Three Ventures, an investment company focused on bridging entrepreneurship
3: She was a staunch advocate around rights for renters. Um, we were not in a financial position that we actually ever owned a home, uh, but she made sure that people who lived in various types of housing try to do a good job of kind of projecting what is the overall mission and vision? What are the KPIs and OKRs that we need to hit? And then I feel like I need to get out the way. I need not be a micromanager. I need to recognize, particularly since COVID, that people have kids, they have lives, they have ways that they know how they perform best. And so we now have people who work for me all over the world. And as long as we meet our deliverables, I don't need to know that you're sitting in a cubicle or sitting at your computer from nine to five. Um, And that's because, I've been at those nine to five jobs where I literally had nothing to do, but I knew I was told I had to be in the office. Uh, And it just seemed like a complete waste of time. And so I'm really laser focused on outcomes and productivity and advancing the vision and mission and not on what does it look like? Because I think successful work looks different for everyone. And then I would say more externally, as we now have grown to lots of members and we have a social media presence and I talk to people, I'm mindful that the, the probably the most important from an external uh, perspective on my leadership is that I am mindful that I am modeling, not just for myself, but particularly for other leaders, and particularly Black women and certainly gay Black women. Uh, you know, there are not a lot of us. Um, you know, you mentioned that I'm a co-founder of Eureka, so I'm Black communities experience and to phrase it in a way not based on anger, but really using data. And so I would say I've consistently been a staunch advocate for Black and Brown communities, but as it evolved from being very reactive and saying, well, don't do this and don't do that, to saying, let me explain to you why I think it's important that we take this up and really letting the facts drive the discussion. Some of that probably comes from the fact that I've worked in two presidential administrations and we all know that that just goes back and forth and oftentimes based on rhetoric and not fact. And having six kids in a world of social media, I think there's something the, the art of, of conversation based on facts and data has devolved to uh, opinions and pundits. And, and I think that's a challenge around leadership, because your job is not, in my mind, to convince people, but to inform people and allow them to make decisions for themselves.
2: I, I saw you on a post uh, with the Washington post um, uh, interview and it, it, you were amazing and it, it's interesting to listen to you describe what you just said because i could see all of that reflected in how you responded there and um, make one other quick uh, comment about as a company grows wepa is growing as well and you are so spot on we have as, as leaders we have to let go and trust those people That work for us and empower them to do their job and then let them roll. And that's not always easy. Top
1: tech companies like Intel have a secret to their success. They get the best talent, reliable infrastructure, and save on costs by expanding in Ohio, the new Silicon Heartland. Learn how your business can succeed in Ohio. Visit successinohio.com. Many of us, if we're being honest, have given up hope on good sleep. But why? Well, if you're like me, You've tried everything, and nothing has helped, so if we're not going to sleep well anyway, why try? That kind of thinking is so 2021. It's time to rethink our nights and days and demand more from our sleep. Talk with your doctor about how you can seize the night and day. And visit SeizeTheNightAndDay.com to learn more.